That's a good one. All right, I think we're ready to go. Inside Improv with Stacy Halal. Joe Bill. Rodriguez and special guest Wade Jackson. Hello, hello. It's Friday. That means it's another episode of Inside Improv. I'm Stacy Halal. I'm excited to be here uh, with my co-host, Joe Bill. Joe, hi. Oh, hi, Stacy. How are you doing? Good to see you. I'm doing all right. I um, spent a couple weeks, so there's been a lot of stuff that's going on, right? Yes, just a few things I, in the world. <laughs> just... Well, and, <laughs> In my smaller news, because I don't want to, you know, uh, take away from any bombs you're about to drop, but oh. uh, I I went to my first festival. I went to a festival in Omaha. Oh, yeah. oh that's right. And it was it was a blast, and I was amazed that um, I think the good people of Nebraska have eradicated COVID, um, but the <laughs> festival organizers, <laughs> nevertheless, took precautions. Um, I did five great shows, had fun parties. Nobody mocked me for my masks, and um, I have a negative COVID test, so I think it was successful. Yay! <laughs> I'm glad you had a negative COVID test. And was everybody vaccinated? Was that a requirement? In yeah, Omaha? you had to be vaxed, uh, vaxed to perform. You had to be vaxed to get into the venues. There was one main venue, the Backline uh, Theater, uh, Dylan Oaks's theater there, um, and then there was a couple of other. A couple of other theaters that do stuff. I forget the one that um, Jessica Kent works at, but yeah. But Jessica Kent does Story Chain. I think you've met her before, so it was like cool to meet her. I got to do a duo with Rachel Ware, so yet another duo partner uh, on the books. And then, have you ever worked with um, Justin and Kelly from New York? From Kelly did from Justin to Kelly, Kelly to Justin. No, like, that movie. No. Yeah. So they run the Countdown Festival in Tampa, and there's a whole long story about that. Maybe we'll get them on sometime. But, like, it's very much their music and their energy as a duo is, like, unlike anybody else you'll ever see. Mm. So I got to – Dylan stuck me in with them, and I told them I felt like a stand-up jazz bass player that was about to sit in with They Might Be Giants, and I didn't know how it was going to (laughs) go. Um, and how did it, it go? Great. Oh, good. Yeah, it went great. Good. Yeah, we found a we found a thing, and um, and that thing worked. So nice. As improv goes, yes. And what about you? What have you been up to? Uh, well, our our big news in in local news or in curious news is curious just got. Uh, we've just started to lease another space. What? Which is terrifying and exciting. It, yep. Complex. So, so we for people who don't know, Curious has a big space that seats about 170, 180 people. It's cabaret style, and then we have a smaller space uh, that's about 65, 70 seats. A little white box theater uh, mm-hmm. in the same building. They're sort of back to back with a hallway in between, and we got a space next to it for our classes uh, because during the pandemic. Our previous rental situation is is tenuous, and uh, we're not sure going to happen again. So, uh, and you know, it's a terrifying time to get an additional sure. space. Uh, 
and yet at the same time, it's available because of the terrible time. So, I mean, we mm-hmm. got the theater in 2008. You know, and mm-hmm. when everything was crashing, and that's oh why we were God. able to get into that space. So yeah, yeah. And the goal is to hopefully we we lease um, the the smaller space as well, and so we're hoping to be able to do a fundraiser and buy both those spaces um, down Amazing. the line. Amazing, yeah. That's so, so cool. It'd be cool. I don't suppose you. I don't suppose you. Um, you choose to be in the business of um, buying and expanding a theater unless something inside of your brain enjoys being terrified. So I think congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. Like I and and this is a great segue to bring on our next guest. But um, and we there's no Elise here today. Uh, so we yeah. send our love to Elise for anybody who's showing up because they want to see and listen to Elise's amazingness. But she she's going to be back next time. Uh, but yeah, I do often say things are. I, I, I say I'm excited and terrified. Like that's when I know you're doing that, it. That yeah, that I'm sort of in the place right of growth. Uh, and it's exciting, but also terrifying. The nice thing about this space is it has like little really nice work spots and it, it was a co-working space. So in the day we get to use it as offices and not just work on the tables oh, in the cool. theater. And we have somebody renting one of them as a workspace to help offset it. So love it. Congratulations. That's thank amazing. you. Yeah. I'm, I am losing sleep. So must be good. Well, <laughs> I am just going to reach through the camera. I'm going to take some of your terror. Thank and now you. I will put that inside of me. Oh. Uh, what are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, John, John Tim. Tim. <laughs> John Tim on tech. Uh, so let's bring on our guest that I am yes. very excited about. He's the founder and artistic director of Covert Theater in Auckland, New Zealand. Yes. Mr. Wade Jackson. Hello, hello. Welcome. Uh, nice to see you. I'm going to do my Likewise. best to, to uh, keep you and Joe separate and not get confused who's talking. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Happens a lot. Happens a lot. Yeah. For people who are just listening and not watching, uh, when Wade came in to the, the meeting, we were immediately like, okay, Joe's here. And it took us a second to realize, no, it's indeed our guest, Wade. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I didn't say it. I don't know. I was just like, I'm glad I didn't say anything. I would just say to Joe, but there's probably nothing I wouldn't also say to you. Wait, so. <laughs> Something really inappropriate. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, I was like, I don't. I don't think me and Joe's conversations are that uh, exciting. That it would there be anything terribly. I inappropriate. mean, inappropriate, but not exciting. <laughs> no. <Yeah. laughs> well, welcome. We started talking a little bit before we got uh, here on the air. So you are in Auckland, which is in full lockdown right now uh, yeah right now level four <laughs> yeah. so uh not even take out food nothing no one nope. just so in 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 the u.s essential workers uh are considered like take take out food makers are considered essential workers oh, well, they are. <laughs> <laughs> so, joe yeah. did chicago ever stop having takeout food i i think we uh, I think maybe it was only curbside, like you had to go pick it up, but they were delivering groceries. So at yeah. the very beginning of the pandemic, it was a thing where you would get groceries delivered and then wear a hazmat suit into the foyer by the front door and then spray everything down, wipe everything down, leave it there. That's right. Come back in your, you know, right. But I think, 
I'm pretty sure that, yeah, I think you're right. I think in Chicago, there's always, once they figured, they quickly figured it out. They yes. wanted the restaurants to stay in business and that was the only way. Yes. So I think that yeah. is what yeah. drove it. Yeah, I think we had a temporary thing. So how long was Auckland locked down the first time? Uh, seven weeks, seven, eight weeks. So yeah, not that long, relatively. Not, not that to- long. And then, we had, um, and then we had another lockdown for like three weeks. Uh, and then in February, we had a three-day lockdown, and that's been pretty much it, I think. This is, a f- this is actually, this is week six, so this is almost as long as the original, coming up to the original one. Yeah. So as soon mm. as one case was detected, everything went back to full lockdown. The whole country went down to a full lockdown with the Delta variant, and then um, I think it's sitting up around like 800 cases now. They've tracked most of them. I think there's about, there's about 20 rogue cases that they haven't linked to one of the clusters. Um, and so they're just trying to figure out where that where that comes from before we get let out again, I guess. But, but the, the big announcement happens in a couple of days as to when we can... Because the rest of the country's in level two, which means they're just socially distancing. But Auckland is in full lockdown. Has the, has COVID spread to anywhere outside of Auckland in New Zealand? Have there it, was, been it, it was in well... It hasn't, hasn't reached the South Island. I don't think they've had any cases in the South Island. Um, but there were a few, three or four cases in Wellington, hence the full North Island lockdown. Got it. Mm. It's amazing. We were just yeah. talking about how you know small a, a small number of people in a country make its experience entirely different <laughs> in in being yes. able to track yeah. things like this. And there's um yeah. Yeah. one of our activities during the winter. Uh, John and I, John, Tim, and I watched all of the Marvel movies in chronological order. Uh, and there's the theme of that. Uh, have you watched all of the Marvel? films all the films yes just watched my first episode of loki yesterday oh interesting yeah yeah. Yeah, we gotta (laughs) get get up on it Uh, have you watched wandavision yet no that's following loki right it came out before loki but i think yeah Yeah. you're going chronological but you know there's this theme about the world being better if there was half as many people on it uh and the evil person is trying to balance the world by making their half as many people and then they restore it and then some people are like it was better when there was only half of us (laughs) yeah and it's just like there's no good way to get there but boy it's uh, kind of weird when you're rooting for thanos yeah it really is (laughs) i I used to root for even people don't even like it when you talk about population control right like you know they've you know the the chinese restrictions on how many kids you can have that come up but it's just like i was worried about us growing too fast and now now i'm worried about us not shrinking faster so it's dark i said i was going to keep it light it got real dark real fast. Let's go. Let's go. It's, it's a dark time. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so one of the things, Joey, that you mentioned you wanted to talk about was kind of the morale around opening and closing and trying to still navigate a theater. How is it affecting you, Wade, and, and your community that, that you see with this constant uncertainty and the back and forth? I think this lockdown is actually harder psychologically because New Zealand was doing so well. Um, you know, we've been, yeah, we had a little, little lockdown. We hadn't even opened the new theatre, though. We were supposed to open in March, but we were locked down, and so we didn't open until June. And then at that point, everyone came out, so we had sell-out houses right from the word go because everyone was tired of being locked, locked in. Um, and then, uh, But this one here has been tougher, I think, because uh, other countries are starting to open up, and yet we're now in full lockdown. 
so psychologically that's tough to take. It's like what happened to our, we were doing so well um, and, story. It's now up in smoke. And how are you seeing that play out in, in players and staff and what are the effects of that? Well, there's, well, the government provides wage subsidies to help um, pay the staff. So the staff are still getting paid. Uh, we only have a small team anyway, um, but they're all getting looked after. And um, the players are they're just doing some online stuff, and and um, you know, we communicate to them. But really, it's just we're just in a holding pattern. We can't. Fortunately, our spring program, because our season's the opposite, we're going into spring. Is um, uh, it was at the printers, but hasn't been printed, so that's good because that's going to have to be amended now. Uh-huh. But we're just hoping we can get down to level two uh, in the next few weeks. And at level two, masks on. Mass on, um, uh, 50% house, you can socially distance the seating. Um, and they have a rule about if you go, if you go into, because we have a bar, so you have to sit at the table and, and the service will come to you as opposed to you going up to the bars, normal practice. Oh, that kind, interesting. That kind of thing. No more, no groups bigger than 10 and no more than 50 people in one gathering. Okay. And can people eat and drink? Can they take their mask off to drink? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mass aren't. Masks are mandatory on public transport and when you're going into the supermarket now, um, but they haven't talked about what the, what the mask rules will be when we're in level two. Okay. Mm. So that's what we're, we're trying to figure out that piece for, we're planning to open October 2nd and vaccinations required across the board, uh, obviously, but yeah. masks, whether or not people feel comfortable with people taking their masks off to eat or drink is kind of the big question for me right now. But we're installing also big air filters that'll cycle through the air in about 10 minutes and um, remove 99% of any kind of virus, specifically COVID as well. So then I feel less bad. So it depends on when we can get those installed. But um, Mm. then, you know, because if if you take your mask off, then it's in the air, it's in the air, (laughs) So that's yeah. the part that's that's making me wonder. Um, but yeah, yeah, I sorry, go ahead, Wade. I was just saying, we, I said uh, one of the uh, members of the theatre performers uh, emailed me yesterday, just asking a vaccination is going to be compulsory for the performers and for um, audience members. Like, do you have to show, you know, um, do you have to be vaccinated to come in as an audience member? So that's what we're uh, discussing and and um, getting advice on right now. Our yeah. ticketing system has um, the ability to require a vaccination card to even buy the ticket and people have to upload right. the vaccination card. And it, and it's pretty strict too because we had to, to mend it because it wasn't being inclusive of trans people who maybe have a legal name that's, they're buying a, the ticket under one name and their vaccination card is on another name because it's their right. legal name. Um, yeah. But at least that reflected how strict it is. And so now we they, they went in. They were really responsive and fantastic when somebody brought it up. And now they can type in an explanation of why their name is not the same. Um, right. And, and get through. But um, the nice thing about that is that we could require advanced ticket purchases so that the door staff doesn't have to have that conversation if somebody is being mm. uh, difficult. Yes. Yeah, it's great. So you kind of get filtered out without having to leave your house. And then, you know, which I think is fair. If somebody didn't see that it's required and they show up, they're going to be more frustrated than if they see it when they're at home making the decision to come, right? Yeah, yeah. 
I'm interested in like, so what are your feelings, Wade, and, and like the staff of the theater? Um, and even just as New Zealanders as, as a whole, if you'd care to characterize it, about mandatory vaccines and, you know, here in the States, it's such a, you know, maybe two thirds of the people are fine with it. And a third of the people are just those people are, are a third of the, are a third of no, the people everywhere, no. including you? No, we don't, we don't have that. No, we're not, not, it's not a, um, such a, such a hot topic. There'll be some individuals, but I don't think it's going to be on mass like that. We're, we're expecting to have quite a high, um, vaccination rate at the end of, you know, once everyone, um, who can, and wants to get it, we'll get it done. And has your yeah. president spoken out or expressed her views about our, our prime minister? Prime minister, no, no. Uh, she has. I mean, it's just it's just encouraging people. Obviously, there are some people with medical reasons who can't. Um, we did have a death of someone who got vaccinated and died um, uh, with, with a. They already had a complicated health issue. Um, you know, so, so you hear that news and you go, oh, God. <laughs> it's, you know, obviously, it's tragic for them and their family, but you're also thinking people will then go, see, I told you, it will be dangerous. But, um, um, yeah, I th- I th- we're pretty, I think most people are just expecting people to be vaccinated. Yeah. I have a lovely friend who is afraid to get vaccinated. She grew up in a, a kind of a, a Southern California hippie family and so was very minimally vaccinated as a child and has the ability to stay isolated and so she was reluctant and I kept chatting with her as as especially as the delta variant was coming around and was like I'm worried about you because it's going to keep getting worse and uh, and she said, yeah, I keep hearing all these vaccination stories. And I said, oh, yo, can you share some of those with me? And, and she was like, well, like Eric Clapton. <laughs> like, all right, if you have to pull up Eric Clapton, like, you know, you're not talking about like somebody, you know, had an issue or whatever, like Eric Clapton is the case versus like everyone knows somebody. I think most people in the U.S. know somebody who's been affected by COVID uh, pretty drastically. So it was pretty funny. that, that And so I just had to convince her to she started to read more stories about long covid and fewer stories about vaccinations so you know it's like which thing is more of a threat and which one scares you more is the question right yeah yeah so for us i think i agree like this has been uh harder so we opened for in-person classes and rehearsals without masks and it was like I miss the June, July window of opening the theater. Everyone was going out. Everyone was pouring out. Everyone was happy. We had this sense of invincibility as everyone got their second vaccination. Um, And I had intentionally skipped that because I was worried about variants. And uh, but then I was like, oh, I missed out on that little that little window of replenishment. But at the same time, I'm comforting myself by saying, well, at least I know we didn't contribute to any Delta variant spreading. But um, but those classes were great and those rehearsals were great. And now we have masks in rehearsals uh, and we, we've readjusted opening from uh, uh, August 21st to August 2nd. But I feel like everybody's just tired. Like there's an energy suck and... Mm. Uh, it's just taking more effort. I think even in your normal life, people talk about like, oh, I had a tired day at work. I wasn't sure I wanted to come to rehearsal. And I was like, oh, just go. You'll feel better. And I'm I'm so glad I did. Right. That's a story you hear all yes. a lot. But I think right now that pull not to go and, and just to stay home uh, 
is bigger and stronger and harder to fight against um, because it was just such a crash to go from like, we're free to like, oh, no, we're not. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I think, you know, one of the joys of improv, right, is t- teaches you just to go with what is. So I'm just trying, you know, I get a few emails, stuff like, you know, how are you doing? How are you doing? Because, you know, every week you're closed, it's pretty tough for survival. But I think I'll, I'll just stress about it later. I'm not going to stress about it now. <laughs> so so um, that speaks. It's been great for me. That speaks to the <laughs> question that that Joe was just uh, bringing up about being the type of person who even gets into running a theater in the first place. So Elise and I were talking about. We both grew up with a lot of chaos in our homes, and so when things are stressy and and scary, we get calm. Right. And then we feel our feelings after the the crisis moment. And so that sounded a little bit like that when you said, I'll, th- I'll think about it later. Are you somebody who, who is calm in chaos? Um, not necessarily. I would say <laughs> I'm, more like, I'm more like the juggernaut. Once I get going, uh, I, I won't stop. And so this is just another thing that, you know, this whole global pandemic is another thing that we're going to have to bust through kind of thing. So that's, that's my, that's my attitude to it. When did you, when did you decide you wanted to open your, your own theater and have your own company? Well, the first, the first time was in 2000, we did the Chicago improv festival, the improv bandits. And so we was, I was sitting at the annoyance theater, um, the old one and, and going, um, oh, wow, you can actually have your own improv theatre? Like, that wasn't a thing in New Zealand. You just didn't have, there's no such thing as an improv theatre. And so uh, that was in 2000. And then later that year, I did three weeks with Keith Johnstone at the Loose Moose. And I saw the volunteer system, uh, how they run the the Loose Moose theatre. You know, people perform for free. They do lighting and teching and, you know, the box off, all that kind of stuff is how they used to run it then. I don't know if they still do that now. And then later that year, I was in um, New York at... um, uh, Gotham City Improv, and went to a, and went to a tiny little theatre and did some shows at Bank Street Theatre and did some. Went to a show in some of like apartment, and that's where the and I was sitting on a, the subway in New York holding UCB's October two thousand um, postcard with all the shows and workshops. I said, I know what I'm going to do when I get back. I'm going to open a theatre, and six weeks from then, I had the lease on a little venue. Um, we, we built a 50-seat 50, 50 theatre. I had no money, uh, went and borrowed other people's money, um, built a little theatre. We ran that for five, uh, four years, the lease. And um, so I was, being, you know, I was being tired of being the poor, starving artist, paid all the money back. And then my neighbour, um, who was a music store, said, hey, look, don't sign the next lease. We want, the, we want your building. And they wrote me a cheque to bugger off because um, I was going to close it down anyway because it was just too hard at that point in time. And I thought, one day I'll come back. One day I'll come back. And cut to 15 years later. So we still kept the theatre covert running, um, um, but we were just hiring venues for the, for, the, like, for the next 15 years. And then, yeah, September 2019, I signed the lease on the venue that we have now. Um, yeah, just, and just, and yeah, just went for it. So I think we're one of the very, probably the only improv theatre opening during the global pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it, it, I say that you know the essence of comedy is, is uh, the essence of comedy is timing, and boy, did I nail it! <laughs> yeah, it's open a venue, and you yeah. waited fifteen years just so you could do it right during the pandemic. So yeah, yeah. But I also launched a business. I also launched a a, a a coaching business during the GFC. So yeah, I'm, I'm two for 
two right now. Yeah, well, sorry, we, I was my timing. we opened Curious during the 2008 recession uh yeah. and and it, it is the reason we were able to get into that space so uh yeah. you know it's it's interesting but what i'm i'm curious because I, I was very impressed when you just said six weeks later you had a space because it was mm. 10 years for me between deciding that's what I, you know verbalizing that's what i wanted and then making it happen yeah. uh what were the things you were you found so hard about it the first time around uh well just just the lack of money uh, you know, th there was a joke that if you called the theatre at three AM, Wade would answer the phone. You know, so I was I was pretty much living pretty much living there. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't have I wasn't married with children then, so it was easier to do that kind of those kind of hours. Um, so it was just really just to get it off off the ground. Improv isn't well known here. You know, stand up is much is much more established. So it is a whole education piece around what improv is for that. And Auckland is isn't really a city that supports their arts as much. There are other cities around the country that are much more um, supportive um, financially. So it was just a big, uh, a big battle to get um, to let people know that we, a we existed to have the funds to do marketing. So you had to be we had to work smarter rather than um, uh, smart and hard because we didn't have the, the, the finances. Mm -hmm. and, and we're just finding the same thing this time round as well. You know, it's just now it's an awareness exercise uh, of of. Um, getting the name out there. And of course, the name was up for, we had, we had an agency come and do some pro bono work around because it's like, you know, COVID theatre. Is that what we're saying? Oh, COVID? COVID. No. <laughs> it's just like, oh no. Oh, it's just like, oh, oh my God. So, yeah. I did not think that's where, I thought where you were going is that you're trying to make a theatre called Covert Theatre yeah, more aware and mainstream, <laughs> but no, it's worse. It's being yeah. mixed up with the pandemic during which yeah. you have opened. Yeah. Amazing. So, name, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, the name came from the fact that um, I thought it was going to be in someone's basement. Like, no one's going to hear of us. It was going to be underground kind of thing. That's where the name came from. But both locations we've had are, are prime locations, great, great locations. So we're pretty thrilled. Mm. Yes. So now it's more speaking to the art form that's covert. It's the <laughs> improv is a covert yeah. kind of theater. Mm. Um, what what happened in that 15 years that other than forgetting how hard it was the first time made you feel like you're <laughs> <laughs> in a better position this time? If the pandemic weren't here, obviously, what were the things that yeah. made you think this time would be different? Uh, Auckland's grown as a city, it's matured, there's a lot more kind of, uh, it's become wealthier, there's a lot more people going out and, and um, uh, there's much more um, opportunity for people. That's, that's a big thing. Social media has happened since the last data, so as far as advertising and spreading the word and that, that side of things has happened. Um, the, we, we grew the talent base a lot, so the quality of our shows were at, an, at a really high level. Before, in the last year, we had to have improv bandits who are the more experienced improvisers in kind of littered in every show. Now we have, you know, we've got 90-odd members of the theatre um, cast, so it's, it's, it's a really high standard, high quality of shows. So all of those things, and, and to be honest, it's always just been, what, it's all I've ever wanted, is to have my own creative space. Um, this time we've set it up as a registered charity, so we can tap into... Um, charitable funds and donations and things like that. That's what's helped us survive, really. So it's much more community-owned. So we talk about we're community in spirit, but professional in standards um, with the, with the theatre. Nice. So that's kind of a lot more, that's a lot more, um, um, yeah, a lot more positive things. But there's nothing else I want to do, Stacey. It's just to have the space. So it's kind of, um, this is it. 
yeah. o- over the course of the past year and a half, there have been times where I've been like, oh, I'll apply for this job or do this and, you know, and talk to my therapist. Like, you know, I'm exhausted. She's like, yeah, but are you going to stop doing it or is it just going to be another thing you're doing? I was like, probably won't stop. It is just a way for me to kind of relieve the theater of having to pay me is the, the under the, under it secretly the the impetus to do something else because it is it's hard when yeah. you feel like you have a calling to do a thing um yeah. but yeah we we say that we're warm and professional are kind of the two words that always come up when we ask people to describe us uh, so i think community it, it has to be community based i i think yes. that's why people do improv is yeah. that connection right yeah, well, for me, that's the essence of the art form is connection. I mean, our, our purpose that we have stated on our website is to enhance human connection through play. That's what we're about. Yeah. That's mm. beautiful. That's mm. lovely. Uh, did you say you have 90 or 19? 90, 96. So, and we've got about 50-odd in the school. So we've got another, if we'd have a, we'd have a graduation ceremony coming up with about another 15 members, which take us over 100. <clears throat> but yeah, so there's a... Almost 100 members. Great. And you're doing ongoing classes? Are you, uh, when you're not <coughs> yeah. in lockdown, were those, it, you're doing in-person classes? Did you do online yes. classes as well? No, we do, oh, we do for the, we've got a school kids program as well. So we're running some of those online now um, for them. Um, but the other ones, we just, uh, no, we just want to do it in person. And we, we didn't think it was going to be sick. Well, I suspect it would be, would have been this long when it was the Delta variant, but um we're thinking we're hopefully going to be out in a couple of weeks. And so we did it last time. We just waited until we could do it back in person again. That's right. Your lockdown wasn't that long the first time. So for yeah. us, yeah, we ended up building a whole program, which is another kind of bumpy thing about the transition is that we created this whole online community that sort of ended when we opened back mm. up. And uh, there were teams that have formed. And there were there were a lot of tears when those... Uh, connections because some people were far away uh, and so they they couldn't carry over in the in the form that they had been to in person uh, and they had been through so much together you know we were really worried about whether people would take online classes and the quality of online classes but they became really important to a lot of those people as their escape from yeah trying to make it through their day to day and so they became extremely bonded to each other it was really nice we ended up making about half of what we do from in-person classes uh from our online classes so that that was helpful for sure yeah so so what what what's your dream is to to have your live shows classes any other activities based out of your theater in the future yeah, I mean, we, we're about to, um, the 1st of September, we're about to do our, what we call the Fun Size Festival. So we, we, we put out, um, it's scripted comedy. So we put out, um, uh, all, to all New Zealand, if you're a Kiwi just, you know, and you want to write a short one-act play, send it to us. It hasn't been performed before. Send it to us and we'll curate it and create it a festival. So we, we got about over 40 submissions from people all around the country and we picked six and we you know, find the directors and, and the performers, actors from inside the company. And so I've been rehearsing that and that was going to be our first um, scripted piece and that was going to go on 
now. Uh, so <laughs> that's being postponed. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, and so we'll just we'll just um, we'll, we'll put that back on uh, as well. We're very keen to get um, sketch. So we're kind of improv agnostic at the theatre. So we'll do um, short form and long form and narrative form. You know, p- plays all that kind of stuff, improvised plays. So um, we have yeah improv chat shows and improv dating shows, all that kind of stuff going on. So we're all pretty, anything will go, but we're also keen to get, use it as a breeding ground for talent, really. Yes. So so we can have, you know, writers coming through, you know, more sketch, you know, get sketch comedy happening in a bigger way um, in New Zealand. Yeah. Sketch is tough. It's a, a, a big resource. You know, it's a time mm. bigger. You can't, People have to have a role, right? They have to know their role. They have to learn their lines, the writing process. If you have yeah. any props, uh, you can't have kind of the rotating cast of yeah. an improv show. Yeah. So we, so we did. Actually, I did sketch comedy before I did improv at university. So it's always been a um, a, a, a true love of mine. So I'm keen to, um, uh, to to nurture that and get that happening. Yeah. What's your What's your favorite? Do you have a, like a sweet spot? Like for me, I think duo improv is probably my just where my heart gets the happiest. Do you have a? I, and I like doing. I love doing narrative. I love doing Ruby Rocket. Right. I love. I have lots of loves, yeah. but that that is is kind of my my favoriteest. Do you have a favoriteest personally? Favoriteest probably probably the improv bandits because it was that predated the theater and it's it's who you perform with for me not not so much the what. Um, I love the story. I love the narrative stuff. because um, because things like short form and long form they weren't words we used. They're things that we learned going to the states. We just did improv. So we didn't realize there was <laughs> <laughs> a difference. I think Damn I think back to department. um I have a martial art background. That's probably what I was doing when I was living in Japan. Was um, I've been doing martial arts longer than improv? Um, and there's a demonstration my martial art instructor did. He would um, he'd get people up from different styles. So he'd have like the boxing, the kung fu, the karate, the taekwondo, and he'd blindfold a guy, and um, he'd get the six different styles to punch him in the stomach. You need to prepare and take the hit, and then he would take us take the blindfold off and ask them which style hit you third. You know, was that a kung fu punch? Was that a karate punch? Was it a Muay Thai kickboxing punch? And he's like, I don't know. You can't tell the difference between the styles. And you know, that was his point. It's like you, you learn principles for martial arts. Um, styles are just things that get cultured over the top. And um, that's that's kind of my take with improv too. Is you learn the principles of improv, then you can do long form and short form and plays and all that kind of stuff because they're just different ways of um, enacting up the principles. So favorite forms, not not so much. It's who I perform with is what I really um, enjoy. So, you know, yeah, I, I, I love it all. It's yeah. really well put because I think it's a disservice to even call short form short form because if you go to a good short form show, it's it's ours is the longest show we do is our short form show. It's a 90 minute show, whereas <laughs> yeah. our long form shows are usually f- about 50 minutes. Uh, well, yeah. In Lloyd Alquist, it's the one he's like uh, from from MI West Side and Mission Improbable where he's like, you're in the show the whole time. A lot of times people look at a list right of a short form game and they get in this thing of like, oh, I'm in this game, this game and this game. And, yeah. and it was Lloyd who really pointed out to me that you have to remind people, like, no, you're in the whole show. <laughs> yes, yeah. 
Yeah, I, I remember watching some of the stuff when we first went to the states, and was watching the the, the long form shows, and and hearing the the phrase long form, and thinking, I've done word at a time stories longer than some of these scenes. Well, they're talking about this as long form, you know. Yes. So it was, it was really yeah, it's quite it's quite different. But again, they're just they're just their styles rather than um, the, the the principles. I, to, I'm more about teaching the principles. And to bring it back to the Marshall, I am too. I love cross-training. I think we talked about that a lot that first time that we chatted. Uh, but if you look, think about martial arts movies, there's also that thing where uh, one teacher's group goes over to the other teacher's group and then they pick a yep. fight for which group and learn the best kung fu versus the other. And that reminds me of improv a lot when people start posturing. Yes, yeah, I've I've seen it. As I said, I've 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 seen it before in the martial art world. Um, I didn't don't don't have time for it there, and certainly don't have time for it in the improv world. And people start talking about this is better than this, and this is better than that. It's just kind of like, oh. Man. Well, my therapist is a is a mindfulness sort of comes from a mindfulness place, and she is a Zen. Buddhist practitioner and she's like that even exists among Zen Buddhists where you think that would be the last place there should be rivalries about whose Zen is better than (laughs) whose yeah Goes back My emptiness is so much more empty than yours. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) I have the best emptiness ever. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and with the house team model, we were starting to, I think, starting to get this sense of like a little bit of that even uh, within mm. our own community. So we, we've switched it up to to make sure that we have casts um, that are still teams that help scheduling and it helps keep a smaller group together so you really know each other really well. But we're rehearsing yeah. partially as a whole before we break into groups and we're going to schedule shows where players from each group play with each other um, to yeah. make sure that that human nature of uh, as soon as you have two groups, they yeah. try to decide who's better. Yes. Yeah. We, we have no levels. We have no house teams in our theatre. So we'll have troops with inside it um, uh, and, and they can be open auditions and so forth. But um, we don't have any house teams in that regard. We don't have any levels. So the people who's, who's got you know 25 years experience can do a show with someone who's got uh, three months experience. And it's um, so kind of sets up a better. I, I just, that, that sets up like a curiosity. Like, so, that, so that's like an objective view of it. But so you said there's 96 members of COVID, COVID theater. Yes. So like, what is, what makes a good member? Like what, what, um, we is, have to be there, active. You have, yeah. So we have some, 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 some things you have to do at least minimum of 20 hours a year of coming to the group workshops where everyone can come to. So we have block workshops, which are limited numbers. Then we have drop-in workshops, which are just open. So you might have three people, you might have 30 people. You have to do, you have to attend a certain amount of those uh, throughout the year. And at the end of the year, we cull too. We'll cull if you're not active. Um, so we don't want to have, we don't want to have 200 members, but only really 50 of them are active. We want to have people who are active in the community. So a good community person, someone who's active, coming to workshops. We do cater to the hobbyist, you know, hobbyist right through to the professional improviser. So uh, we want to be open in that in that regard. Um, and one of the things we're thinking about now is actually having non-performing members um, as well. That might be something that we can have. So people who are there just for the community and the learning of the um, improv, of, of the art form, but don't actually want to get up on stage. So we're looking at, at the moment, we don't have that. And anything like around, you know, artistic vision or character traits or aptitudes or attitudes or 
Yeah, we have we have um, no a, a no dickhead policy. So you're not allowed to be a dickhead. Um, so that's, I love that. That's, how do you measure? Yeah. How do you measure a dickhead? <laughs> what we say? Yeah. Well, um, the, the 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 line we have because people come and do the improv 101, and then we encourage people who only want to get on stage to do 201. And the and the rules we have there are two rules. One, you you've got to be a team player, and two, you can't be an axe murderer. But we're negotiable on that one. Uh, but we're not negotiable. We're not negotiable on. We're not negotiable on the team player one. So, yeah, that's that's, that, that, that's the that, and, and and people just you know that's the thing with these the, you know the ex, improv exercises and training. You reveal yourself, right? That's why they're such a wonderful tool for self awareness because they act like a mirror. They reflect you back at yourself. And if you're the teacher, you can just see the reflection of the other people, and you can see who's going to work well and who isn't going to work well, and. Um, we'll, we'll take a risk on someone because it's not about the improv. It's not about the improbabilities at that stage. It's more about their um, do they work well with others, and that's really um, if they do, then we'll 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 bring them in and then train and you know and train them in to get to that level. There are certain shows they can't do. There are certain they have to do have to earn their stripes and get you know the stage craft and so forth. So, but there are there are about three three or four shows that they're they're there's open to all members of the of the theatre. And then later on, you get into more of the more complex forms. Um, that's when you know experience and you audition for that. But people can also create their own shows in our theatre as well. They can come up and pitch an idea. Put a number of them. Um, uh, they pitch an idea to me, and, and we help them um, make it. We had someone. One of our ones we just had to sell out seasons of before the lockdown was. Um, uh, one of the members has been in recovery for twelve years and wanted to do a show based on rehab. Her experience of living in rehab. And so they spent months. Um, so the, all the dialogue is improvised, but the characters are set. And so they, they brought you know people in who run the rehab centres and all that kind of stuff. And it was all cast from the theatre, and it was amazing. Um, wow. But it was, a, it was a, obviously a black comedy um, <clears throat> of life, yeah. You know, but really to help destigmatise addiction. And that's and now that's in the process of um, um, they're running a TV pilot for it as well. They had a production company come along and keen to look at that. And that's that's the joy. That's what the theatre is there for. Is kind of that breeding ground of that talent creative talent that's brilliant mm. we had a mm. we had a night where we had um a group there of people who were in rehab who came out together and we didn't know that and there was a scene that took place in in, in rehab and and like some people knew i guess or someone knew and they started to panic and later they were like that was the best scene like they loved seeing yeah. it portrayed and yes. uh it, it's awesome i think it's also a big reason um i don't know if you know the podcast my favorite murder um but it's uh, it, it in six months it became like Beatles famous. Like they walk in the room, they get a standing ovation with people screaming. Is it's a combination of true crime uh, comedy because they're both really funny and they're a great duo. They're very different from each other, the two women who do it. But also they're both in recovery, and so there's a lot right. of connection through that because it is stigmatized and it's not talked about a lot. It's supposed to be a secret, right? And then you, maybe yeah. maybe every ten years you post something about celebrating that you're 10 years sober or, uh, but it's almost yeah. everybody <laughs> since some kind <laughs> yeah. of recovery or another, I feel like. Um, so do you, so when people pitch, is that in the main like weekend slots? Do that some shows during the we'll week? Try. Yeah, we have a, we had a fringe festival and I suggested uh, to the producer that she put it into that. And so they actually got a main, st a main, main slot. Um, main time, but we do. We have uh, Friday, Saturday nights are kind of our more experimental formats. Um, so it's a nine o'clock 
show, uh, we have a seven thirty show and then a nine o'clock show on Fridays and Saturdays. So that's where we'll that's where we'll start them off. And if they do really well, we'll we'll move them into a um, um, a prime time. So we had one one of our members did um, one of the UCB's um, mockumentary um, online formats during lockdown, and then he pitched that. He said, "I want to actually make this happen." And um, it was great. We did it in the, in, the, in the late night slot, and we'll probably give that a prime time slot because it was done so well. Yeah, that's great. So seven thirty for here in Portland, like it's when I came and made my business plan. I was, you know, I had multiple shows every night of the week because I had moved here from Chicago, where <laughs> Second City yeah. sells out an eleven p.m. show like yeah. it's nothing. Yeah. And uh, really in Portland, the the. The super viable spots are Friday, Saturday, seven thirty. Everything yeah. else is tough. Is is, yeah. is Auckland similar? It's, it's the same, same. So we have a Thursday show, which is basically our kind of uh, a show for all the members can join in. We mix our newbies with our more experienced improvisers. It's the Thursday show, so it's kind of like if it was a stand-up comedy bar, it'd be kind of called like open mic night. Yeah, you know, kind of rookie rookie night. So that's a, that's we have open Thursday. court, which is the same. Yep. Yeah. That's our Thursday show. Yeah, Friday, Saturday is the main show. And then we'll do a – so they'll be the same show, Friday, Saturday. And then the other Friday, Saturday late shows will be the same show. And then we'll do a um, – <clears throat> we have a, a family show. We do a kids' show um, on Sunday afternoons. And then we'll do a um, 6.30 show. Uh, in winter, that you know, that just died but um, this year because it's just cold. No one could go out on a Sunday. But um, it was because Seabrook 4 lockdown was starting to pick up as it got warmer. So – um, yeah, so it's kind of balancing balancing that out with um, uh, you know, what, 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 what's financially viable, but also what you know, when, when will people come out, and also to, and developing people's talent as well. So, so, so yeah. if uh, for example, this rehab show, how long did that run? How big and how big was the cast? That was there's about nine, ten in the cast, and it was the whole the whole it was a day in rehab. Basically, was the show, so it was based on what they actually do in a day. Um, and that ran for two weeks, I think, uh, and sold out. And then we we did a return season just recently, and that also sold uh, sold out as well. So it ran for Thursday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. We actually gave it a Thursday slot, okay, uh, as well so they got during the six fringe, shows. during the Fringe Festival. Okay, we got six shows. Yep. Yeah. Okay. And we're going to do a nine, nine for the Fun Size Festival with the scripted comedy. We're going to give them um, Thursday to Saturday for three weeks. So they've got nine shows, but that's going to change now because we want to get it done this year before the end of the year. But probably more like six now. We're still figuring it out. Right. <laughs> right. We're speaking yeah. in, in theory versus in reality. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The Prime Minister tell us are we, are we opening in October, or September, October, or is it November? We just don't know when we're going to be back open. What determines yeah. it? Is it when the cases start to fall? Is it do the, they have to fall? The cases are falling, out? so the lockdown okay. is you know the lockdown is working. We only had like fifteen cases in the community, new cases, um, so it is dropping. So the lockdown's working, but it's just um, they're going to they're, they're really just trying to get us our vaccination rates because we started late. They're just trying to get those up, um, which are the, the, we're having massive. I think just yesterday was the news. We just bought some more vaccinations from Spain to keep up with the current demand, so which is a great problem to have as far as you know, people wanting to get vaccinated. Yeah. yeah. So, so I think they're just trying to get to a high vaccination rate and they'll let us out, or um, the cases will, will actually beat Delta, which is highly unlikely, but possible. Um, and then we'll, we'll get let out then. Yeah. So uh, artistically, um, what as somebody who performs, and I imagine you direct as well, and mm-hmm. also manage the theatre, do you... 
Do you perform in shows that you also direct? Do you have any rules around that? Yeah, I, I try not. No, I don't really. Um, so we've just we've just I've directed two shows recently. That's our um, our film noir show and our science you know, Star Trek homage show. And I didn't perform in those. It was, I find it really hard to direct you know, to act in shows that you're directing as well. Um, and that's also because I've also have a you know, um, scripted theatre background as well. So that's important. I tried that once and just once only, and never did that again. Um, learned that lesson. Um, yeah. So I don't. So I don't. I have to direct shows and not perform in them. Yeah. Um, but I don't. I'm actually not the theatre manager. We've got someone else who runs the theatre. Thankfully, I just I purely look after the the workshops and shows and the the culture. I, I kind of see myself. My role is really the the, the culture guardian, making sure that that lovely supportive environment that we have is maintained. Yeah. So so um, when all is good, what is, what is your staff? How many people and what are the roles within your staff? So I'm the artistic director, and I'm I'm basically I'm I'm, un, I'm doing an unpaid role. Um, I've got um, the theatre manager who's paid full-time and um, bar manager who's part-time and then a whole bunch of casual staff who do the front of house and help with the bar and all that kind of stuff. A lot of it is, um, yeah, we've still got, we've got someone who's a head stage manager who, again, volunteers their time. They're getting paid at one point and they're just like, we want the place to survive. So um, they decline to take uh, the fees for the shows. So that's kind of, that's kind of it, really. It's a, it's a skeleton, skeleton crew. We have other people who are contractors, like our designers and our accountant and um, social media person, all that kind of stuff. But they're all they all, and we have a full uh, part-time fundraising does all the grants for us. But they are all they're all virtual. They're in the office, so. It's, um, and was as, that pre-COVID? Like, they were just they're all are they all freelance yeah. and they just two of them two of them live out of the live out of Auckland. Um, yeah, and they're all just freelance contractors who you know pretty much work from home. Great, and they're all yeah. part-time. Or, or just contractors, yeah. Yeah. So, so I mean, but yeah, they they contract at just a few yeah. few hours a week, or yeah, yes, yeah. But usually about ten hours a week, things like that. Most of them, yeah. It's tough. We're just trying to restructure our, you know, we we <laughs> just restructure everything because we have used this time to go and dig in and and try to figure out some other ways to do things but if we like if we want to grow our corporate side then we need someone else to do it because i i, I cannot do more yeah. than what we're already doing so i have yes yeah, so i when i left the first theater in 2005 um i was a couple of years before that i started getting get into more corporate stuff and so um so that's what i've been doing that's why i've been able to I, i've my wife and i have you know put a large chunk of our savings into the theatre to get it up and running uh, ourselves, you know. So, um, and I've only been able to do that because I spent the last 15 years uh, doing corporate work and just keeping the theatre company just ticking over. So, before it was like 0% corporate, 100% you know, professional actor, comedian. Um, so, I chose poverty. And then, uh, <laughs> and then, then, then it started sw uh, switching into like 95% corporate and 5% live theatre. And I just, you know, just a few years ago, it's like, nah, just don't. I'm going to go back more to my roots. So now I have a much more healthy balance. It's probably about, well, I've also been doing the corporate stuff for so long now. I have a reputation that a lot of the work will come to me rather than me have to do business development. So that's great. So mm -hmm. I, I will do mainly, um, mainly it frees me up to work mainly on the theatre and then do the corporate stuff when, when it comes up and yeah. And is it you? You're not working for a company. You're, you're your own company. I have my, my own company. Yeah. Yeah. So I've written a, written a couple of books and, um, um, got picked up internationally 
uh, sort of a license, a license a few of the products and programs and things like that as well. So we had things like the Singapore Armed Forces doing our program and um, David Covey, the son of late Stephen Covey from Seven Habits, he, he licensed our program into a few different countries, into Japan, my storytelling program into Japan and our leadership program um, into Australia and so forth. So, um, But that was that was when I was doing global domination and I decided when I wanted to do more theatre stuff to let, let all that international stuff go. And so now I'm just really just focusing on the local market. So you do, you help companies tell stories like in marketing? Yeah, I do. I'm known as a high performance coach. So I use improv and I also have a health science background. So I have postgrad in drama, but also health science, mind, body health. And I did hypnotherapy for like 10 years. So I com- combine all of that with my martial art experience in the improv. And um, I do self-leadership, resilience. I do collaborative creativity and storytelling. So they're kind of the four areas that I uh, focus on. Amazing. Yeah. So I do com- and- yeah, so do conference, keynote speaking, but also facilitation and training. If somebody, do you do, uh, you, you're focusing more locally, but if somebody hearing this wanted to contact you, would you do virtual coaching? Or do yeah, you do- I do. Yeah, I do. I, I, I do executive coaching and yeah, one-on-one virtual coaching as well with people who, uh, a couple of people who are under New Zealand, yeah. Great. Yeah. How, how does somebody, yeah. do you have a website where somebody can learn more about your corporate side? Uh, there's, there's two websites. There's the coach and the speakers, wadejackson.co. And then it's just uh, the other one is the company is inspiredlearning.global. That's the one that does all the all the programs. Yeah. Amazing, awesome. Yeah. So that's what that's what helps fund the theater. Okay, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean that really that's the that's the piece, right? Is that theater? I think in and of itself is it's just really hard to pay for a space twenty four seven, a staff to manage that space. And have shows in the times that you can have a show, especially when you're in a city that really only comes out on on the weekends. And occasionally, you know, we could have a special guest come to town and sell out a a Wednesday, uh, but that special guest is leaving with most of that money (laughs) because they get paid for having that cachet that they could pull in that that crowd. So uh, I, I can't wait till we crack this secret code on how to how to make it work i mean the space i mentioned that we got we're going to have it's basically decided divided in two it's a longer rectangle and there's the cubicles that was a co-working space and they're nice cubicles they're not like padded it's like a low uh pretty wood that divides up the space so it feels really nice and the other half was you know big huge conference table for people to sit and work so we took that conference table out and so it's the workspace in the day and um uh a classroom at night and then there's a space on the other side of the annex that we're looking at as well and the people who are in it decided they want to stay but they're considering renting it to us at night to help offset their costs. And it's like, you know, having yeah. something holding the space during the day and keeping it alive and active uh, is the other strategy that I'm looking into. We, we rent to Oregon Children's Theater and they use it a lot of the hours that we're not there. It's perfect yeah. match, but they're probably going to end up getting their own space again eventually. Yeah, we, we hired during the day to, you know, corporates for off-site strategy sessions, all that kind of stuff, because we're a lovely foyer and, and the, the theatre space itself, our seating system is retractable, so it's within a push of a button, within a minute, all the seats just go back, and we've got the whole floor uh, space there. So, um, yeah, so we, we, we're just growing that, um, re- renting that out, which is just, you know, so the space is constantly being used. 
So for that, is it risers that then just retract, or is it? Yeah, they, yeah, they they concertine into themselves. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then when when so when it's out, is it like benches, or is it still got room? It's individual seats, still individual seats, but they but that as, as they concertine, the the seat back pops down and got it goes back back all the rows go back into each other. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. If you go to if you, if you go to our YouTube, you'll see a split <laughs> now. We've got a little thirty second promo video. You'll see about <laughs> half a second of them going back. Yeah, Very I will. Exciting. I will yeah. go watch seating retractable <laughs> yeah. seating porn is going to be on my agenda yeah. for the day. Uh, you have the seating guys come in and video. And I'm like, why are you guys videoing it? You install these all the time. They're like, these are the this is the first type. Of, it, of its kind in New Zealand because they're actually comfortable seats. Most of those retractable seating ones aren't very comfortable. That's what my he concern says, was, yeah. Yeah. He said, no, these are actually, in fact, one of, we had a reviewer come along and he, and he actually put in there, he goes, and the seats are so comfortable. Which <laughs> you can see as many shows as I do. This is a godsend. That's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> do they have cup holders for people to have drinks? No, or? they don't. No, okay. no, they don't have the cup holders. No, no. So, it's New Zealand. This is your cup holder. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> More like that. <laughs> Just, yeah. Cup holder, yeah. Keep it, keep yes. it in your hand at all times. Yeah. Uh, amazing. Yeah, those are not inexpensive. Uh, those no, no. <laughs> no, they're not. Yeah. And of course, when they're attracted too, they're in a, um, they're in a um, vulnerable position. You can't climb on them because they're not supported. Mm. So, you know, when we run school holiday programs and things like that, and you've got those, you know, you've got your... Was it fifty-seven and a half thousand dollar seating system? Just vulnerable to kids climbing. You kind of like <laughs> get off those seats. The big sign: do not climb on the seats. <laughs> yeah, needs yeah. to be there. Yeah, we got movable risers for the annex space so that it could be a flex space, and and those were half of the the build out. It was you know I think fifteen thousand dollars just for the the risers. Yeah, and, and then. It was a cheaper build out because we just, you know, uh, did the floor and painted it otherwise and had some lights and built a grid, but yeah. those risers. Uh, I was just saying, that was, that was something that I wasn't quite prepared for was when I did the first theater back in 2001 and now doing it in, since we started, 2019, um, the cost of um, consents. I think we spent just as much on council legal fees and things and, and getting the engineer's report and the structures engineer's report and the airflow engineer's report and all the the building was so much more expensive, not necessarily because of the materials, but all the red tape yeah. that you have to go through. It just wasn't. I think back now, it's like, was the first building even legal? I mean, right. <laughs> just like we, had, <laughs> we had none of, none of those. Um, so... So yeah, Will, Will Luera just popped in and says hello, and he says he never forgets dancing at techno to techno at about 4 a.m. at the Chicago Improv <laughs> Festival you referred to earlier. <laughs> so, oh, yes. Will Luera. Yeah, the man yeah. who somehow yeah. never sleeps, Will Luera, uh, <laughs> travels the world, goes places across the planet for a day, and then flies to another place. Uh, nice to have yeah. you here, Will. I hope you're tasting things, Will. Uh, I've been enjoying, I don't know if you've been seeing his stories where he's been trying to get his taste back from, from COVID. COVID, yeah. He, he had a breakthrough yeah. COVID case. He lives in Florida, so. Yes, yes. Yeah, I had a chat with Will, you had a chat, chat with Will about, you know, going back into running the theater. I did, you know, we, we had a, we had a conversation uh, around, <laughs> why am I doing this again? That kind of, that kind of. Yeah. 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 Get all the tips, tips and pointers again. Cause it's got, oh, it's 15 years in between rodeos. Yeah. 
Yep. And uh, oh, he says he's at about 25% taste recovery. Whew. Yeah, my wow. brother had that as well, and it's it's slowly coming back. Uh, Will Aware, while you're there, he also weighed for us when we opened our theater, like, I had a super, he was at Improv Boston still at that time, and we had a huge, long conversation, and he helped me talk about, uh, he helped me think about board and fundraising strategies and all of that. Yeah, so, brilliant. Yeah. Knows what he's doing. He sure does. And, and I'm curious, Wade, like in New Zealand, what does um, diversity, equity, and inclusion issues look like in business and theater? Like how does that, what's the lay of the land there? Yeah, it's a, it's a big, it's a big, big topic. We actually had um, uh, through my corporate connections, I knew someone who, in that space, and so we we just brought them in and made it a free workshop for everybody uh, around the rainbow, rainbow diversity, um, so people come away just just to raise people's awareness of it. Really, so it is a big, it is a big topic. We don't have at the theatre. We don't have um, we have our policy, and um, again, I brought in corporate contacts and uh, my corporate connections to make sure that we had a rock solid um, uh, members handbook around our harassment policies and all that kind of uh, stuff so that it's a real safe environment for people. Um, yeah, so we have, you know, in the, in the theatre we have, and we, we have a big rainbow flag hanging down there. We have members in, the, in that community um, uh, in, in the theatre. It's just really um, trying to make it as safe as we can for, for everybody. It's a, big, mm. it's a big part. But it's in the, in the corporate world as well. It's a very, it's a big, it's a big movement around trying to make uh, um, environments more accepting of others. How diverse is Auckland as a city? It's one of the most, it's, it's, it's more diverse than London apparently now. It's one of the top, it's in the top four, top five uh, as far as ethnic diversity. Um, oh, wow. It's one of the biggest, it's one of the biggest in the world now. Yeah. Which is great for the restaurants. Um, you have good food. Yeah. yeah so it That's is. what I was amazed. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I went to Sydney for it's, a corporate job and I was amazed because of the, I didn't realize how much Southeast Asian influence um, there was and the food was. I just ate yeah. Indian food for lunch every single day. What, so is the, what is the ethnic mix uh, that's making up that diversity there? Well, we've got, I, I remember this is going back a year or so when it came out in the news, but it was, I think it was like number fourth in the world. It had just overtaken London as being more diverse um, by number of ethnicities in the, latest, in the latest census poll. But we've got, I mean, I live where I live. It's, you know, um, just around, you know, if I walk 100 metres, um, I'm, I'm surrounded by Indian cuisine. You know, it's, it's like, it's called Little India, basically. Um, so we have, um, in the theatre, we've got about, must be about 15, 16, 17 different ethnicities from all around the, from all around the world. Um, Amazing. So there's a, it's a real, yeah, it is. Well, one thing that we don't have a lot of and that we're looking at building relationships with is a lot of Indigenous, so uh, Maori improvisers. Yeah, so that's something that we're working on behind the scenes to kind of build those relationships with, um, uh, to get more Indigenous people in the theatre as well. Yeah. And Do you what, have a sense of, I'm go, sorry. Go Stacey. ahead, Joe. No, go ahead. Yeah, I'm just, um, I'm super curious about do you have a sense of what improvisation is in the Maori culture, or is like are there awareness of it? Or um, yeah, there's probably it's they have a, I mean they have a lot of thing called kapahaka, which have you ever seen the New Zealand rugby team start oh, yeah. up? So you know what a haka is. So they have a lot of song and dance in there, yeah. and, and they're an oral. And as a, as a as a people, their history has has always been passed down orally. So there's mm -hmm. a lot of storytelling. Um, so same with the Pacifica, you know, uh, Samoan and uh, Auckland is actually got, have more Samoans than Samoa does. So we're the, <laughs> it's, it's, 
it's, yeah, so it's a big um, Pacifica community, Maori Pacifica community in Auckland, especially. Uh, and so it's about um, yeah, just giving, making sure that, that those pathways, because we're relatively, with a new venue at least, we've been around for 20 years as a brand, but the venue is new. So it's about making sure that they're aware that we're here, that the opportunities are there as well. Um, we've brought in scholarships for starting at a young, for, for kids as well, um, for disadvantaged kids. We've got some funding to bring in kids who wouldn't normally be able to afford uh, an improv workshop. Uh, and so that's you know really important to us as well. So we we don't want to be just where we're located is a great location. We don't want to be just just that environment. We want to be able to reach the wider Auckland as well. So um, so they have a lot of performance in their in their culture, but not necessarily Im- improvisation. Yeah, I told Wade this when he first came on that the Joe, have you seen the piano? The movie, mm-hmm. Jane Campion I- movie, yeah. There's Don't worry, Joe. I, mean, I haven't either. It's terrible. <laughs> I, I, I mean, people loved it and were going crazy, and there were lines from it, and I walked out of it. But one of the scenes had uh, a shadow puppet scene, and the Maori people uh, like flipped out, like they didn't understand what a play is. And I just was like, I felt like it was just so racist. I got so angry. Uh, so I have to find out. I have to find. Out. I don't know what. Yeah. I don't know. I haven't seen that movie, so I can't really comment. People have been sure. doing shadow plays since like cave times. Like it's right. Yeah. In the, some of the cave drawings were specifically like almost animation. Anyway, right. it just yeah. was so insulting. And this is before you know people were thinking about that kind of stuff. It just seems so obviously <laughs> insulting to me. Yeah, I mean, it's so interesting. I, I have friends in South Africa, and in my time in South Africa, like the idea is what happens if you can just put like a multi ethnic group together? And that's a country with, you know, 16 or 12 or whatever it is, official languages. Like, what mm. would it look like? What would improvisation look like if you brought all these people together? And then it, you know, what is, what is the harmony of that then? equal and and what and how do you make that accessible without it being you know some white sensibility you know preach lesson or something um yeah but right. but it's i mean it's fascinating to me it's 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 a uh, to me i'm curious about what's a what's a type of improvisation that like honors different cultures but then also as part of the program presents you know a harmony of like what is this what does this program look together in a piece what is this yeah. Well, you know Matthias, Joe. So yeah, Matthias, great. So he he did a World Comedy League where we had um, uh, you know China versus Spain versus New Zealand versus America versus we had people from all around the improv community from all the different different countries coming together in a in a fun format. But it was and, yeah, it was, and it he's has, from Spain, right? He's Argent, Argentinian. Argentinian. Yep. Yeah, I mean those are yeah. So so around. it was it was great to have that. <laughs> it was great to have that, and and people who weren't members of the theatre were performing in in that as well, and so you'd have people who were performing purely in, in Mandarin, um, and you know, and just people just loving it, loving the, loving the show, even though not even though not understanding what actually is being said. A hundred percent. I love it. I I, I remember at uh, Chicago Improv Festival, there was like a a Dutch show that just totally in in Mm -hmm. Dutch and I didn't understand a word of it, the language, but I totally got every piece of the show. It's at least enough for me to feel completely satisfied watching it. I'm smelling a grant uh, (laughs) opportunity, Joe, because now that you've put it out there, I really want to see what we could make with people from all over the world for sure. Yeah. I, 
I got to say one of the most moving improv experiences I had was just in like a heat, a maestro heat at Improvention in Canberra in Australia, where you're just playing with different people. And there was a group. Um, oh, God, it's not Thailand. Uh, it's not Singapore. Well, there, uh, you know, South Pacific Asian country. And there's a woman spoke no English. I speak no you know, uh, Mandarin or anything. And somehow we're in this scene and it's sort of a longer scene where she's a princess that's been held captive and she's going to try to escape. I have no idea what specifically is being said, but I, but based on the performance, I got what was going on. And then I played a tree by a prison wall. And then, and so she was going to try to climb the tree and then I lifted her up and people were just gasping and I slowly just lifted her up and somehow we just knew. And then she escaped and everybody cried. And I'm like, that's what I'm chasing before I die. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yes, absolutely. You know, there was, um, I met a bunch of Seattle people who have been my friends forever now since this one festival that uh, Andrew McMasters coordinated, and it was a regional improv festival uh, in the Pacific Northwest, and people came and, and gathered, and he had people do like a short version of whatever they do, but we traded a person. So I got to play in an unexpected productions format with mostly unexpected productions, people doing it. And um, Lindsay played with All Jane, you know, in uh, our format. And so everybody got to have this taste of being the new person in somebody else's experience and approach and style. And that was a great premise that would be fun to do with groups of different diversities and nationalities. I think that mm, would be super it. fun. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Well, we've been talking over an hour already, so I guess we can wrap it up. Before we go, I do have to thank you both for making me look tan. Um, <laughs> You're welcome. You're which good. isn't something I ever thought I would look. Uh, in the Middle Eastern out again. We're tanned. We're just moon tanned. That's all. <laughs> just know this, Stacey. If you go to Asia, white is better. <laughs> the paler you are, it means you stayed out of the sun. Right, right, right. <laughs> I mean, I'm just living in the wrong country, it's all. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> very, very pale. And I grew Pretty up with sweet. everybody dark-skinned, so I always wanted their dark skin because uh, everybody else looked like Arabs in my family. So thank you both for making me feel <laughs> like I look like an Arab. All right. Uh, well, thank you so much, Wade. Before we go, anything else you want to share? Anything people should look out for from you, um, by you? Well, hopefully. Well, hopefully, when when the um, if we ever get to travel again, uh, we would love to um, people just to make contact. You know, we've got a lovely little theatre. We'd love to see you know both of you, but everyone watching and uh, come and come to New Zealand and and bring the improv love. I can't wait. It's high on my list, Wade. I would love to meet Ruby you in person. Would get look to see good you. over there. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much, Wade Jackson, Joe cool. Bill. Thank you. It's Inside Improv. Thanks, Thanks, everyone. Have a great so weekend.